Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Where Liberty Dwells podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hilp. Firstly, did you know about this episode right when it came out? Are you outraged that you didn't? Well, you should be, because that's a very sad story. If you want to stay updated on every episode of the podcast, you should follow the show's Instagram at Where Liberty Dwells Podcast, or follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, I'd like to announce that in addition to episodes and articles, Where Liberty Dwells has published its very first statistical report titled, What Police Violence Statistics Don't Tell You. You've probably heard a lot about police murdering innocent people over the last year, often justified by facts and figures, maybe even a nice graph. In this report, I take a new glance at the very numbers the left uses to justify its claim that the police are systemically racist and put their assumptions to the test. For example, did you know that police officers who kill a black person are more often charged and convicted with a crime compared to when a white person is killed? To find out more, go to www.wherelibertydwells.com slash articles dash and dash reports. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I want to talk about the narrative that we have seen spun from the media in the aftermath of this horrific shoot, school shooting in at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. And I know it's been a difficult couple of days for a lot of people having to see footage and hear stories and we're grieving as a nation for the six people who lost their lives three of which three of which were nine-year-old children but what i think is truly becoming quickly a disgusting display of politicization is the the narrative that we're seeing from the media and from influential people on social media and from politicians on the left because and we see this really every time that there's a shooting it's always that the gun is to blame and i find it interesting especially in this specific shooting that we're talking about now that happened a couple days ago that the gun is always and forever the only culprit and the only actual effective method for stopping these shootings is to ban them. And I find it interesting because if you if you are a member of the left and you are and you agree broadly with the left the the modern leftist ideology in the United States, then this is the only opinion you are allowed to hold because otherwise many of the rest of your ideology begins to fall apart. The the causes for mass shootings from a leftist point of view cannot can simply cannot be anything but the guns and i've and this is something that i constantly think about whenever there's a shooting and and it's this this the the same old story of calling to ban guns every time there's a uh, a rifle or or specifically like a tactical rifle they always say ar15s but obviously obviously that's just kind of a, a general term at this point when it comes from someone in the media and the AR-15 is their AR platforms uh, the AR-15 is a specific weapon 
Uh, but generally, and then they, they, they use the term assault rifle, and assault rifle doesn't really mean anything. It, assault rifle is, is a term that's kind of made up, and it really just describes a lot of different things that can be like imagined and put together. Um, but basically, anytime there's a rifle, a semi-automatic rifle, that is capable of holding attachments, basically, um, there's always a call to ban the AR-15. And and what, what I, where I was going with this, that I've never found a legitimate argument to combat the fact that of all the things that you could point to that are the cause or contribute to the cause for someone doing something as horrific as this shooter did a couple days ago in Tennessee, the gun is the most constant factor in all of this. In the last in the last hundred years or so, and I'll even shorten it and say the last 60 years especially, firearms have not really changed. There have definitely been some improvements, but firearms broadly are how they were operationally and functionally 70 years ago, 60 years ago, and even 100 years ago. What has changed actually is the ability to obtain firearms has become way more difficult all over the country. There is, there are so there's so much more regulation around firearms now than there was in the 1960s, 1950s, and certainly in 100 years ago. There, there basically was no uh, restriction on firearms until about 1934. I think was the, uh, the Federal Firearms Act. I think it was called, which banned uh, or heavily heavily restricted the use of automatic weapons uh, and 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 things as such. And and since then. Many, many, many gun laws have been added to the books, um, some of which just, some of which not so just. Uh, but either way, where we are now as a society is that it is much to obtain a firearm than it was in the But the guns themselves are pretty much the same. In addition, what else has changed? Uh, our, our fundamental institutions in this country, whether they be educational or spiritual, have completely changed or st- or have been eroded and given a lesser priority among the general population. Our approach to how we handle mental health has changed vastly in the last 30 years, 40 years, especially with the the heavily medicated society that we are now. So... Anytime there's a mass shooting, there's plenty of things that you can point to. Like, were they disturbed? What type of household did they grow up in? And yes, the, the, the access to weapons is always a factor. But if we're being honest, every mass shooter wasn't going to not commit some sort of crime just because they couldn't obtain a weapon on a particular day or from a, a, a real licensed dealer. That, that's never been the deciding factor or even the pro- a primary factor in something like this happening. It is almost always about either their upbringing or their mental state. And our approach to mental health in this country, our educational institutions and our spiritual institutions have changed dramatically in the last 60 years or in the last 100 years. And why I'm referencing back in time is because 
I'm I'm not that old, but I I know history, and and anybody older older than the age of of forty knows that there was a time in the United States of America that this was an unfathomable reality, where it was it was a a, a terrible but relatively common occurrence for children to be gunned down in their classrooms. That what that that simply it, it may be excluding some extremely rare cases that was not something that happened in this country but now it it is it is horrifically a a common occurrence in in some in some cases we all remember i think not even a year ago the uvalde uh texas shooting and there's the infamous Sandy Hook Elementary School, and those are just those are just the, the the ones off the top of my head that are also elementary schools. I'm not here to talk about how mass shootings aren't a problem in this country; they most certainly are. But I want to point out that a particular group of people's response will always and have to always be that the guns are responsible. And in my opinion, that is completely avoiding the point. In the aftermath of some of these shootings, uh, there were calls for uh, teachers potentially to be armed in classrooms or to have more armed security. And I personally don't think that it's a, a, an educator's job or a teacher's job to, to have to be armed in a classroom. Uh, if they want to voluntarily do it, that may be a different story. But generally, I don't want that. However, to me... Why there would not be incentive to hire at least one armed security guard in a school seems crazy to me. Why that is not something that is generally more popular. Because if we're being completely honest here, whenever something horrific like this happens, what what do we do? We call guys who have guns to come and do the exact same thing that a person who was already there would have done. So we're actually just delaying the process of of neutralizing a threat and therefore endangering more lives. And the only reason that I can think of why people find this unpopular is because the same people that call for the the guns to be banned because they're the they're the only solution they can come up with to stop this, those same people are generally just afraid of of firearms. And the thought for them of having a firearm in a school at all is so scary that they would rather a person who is vetted and hired to protect those kids would would not be there at all. So that that seems like a completely crazy person to hold. But look, I don't I don't I don't pass the legislation. I'm not a big influencer. I just have a little bit of common sense. And especially because I think I want to talk about how that shooter I, I've I've watched while while wincing a little bit. I watched this this uh, security footage of the uh, from inside the Covenant School. Uh, at least the portion that was made public. They didn't make public uh, all of the graphic details, but what you do see is a clip of this. 28-year-old walking through the school after shooting the windows of the front door and 
this person is like dodging around corners and and is is in a school full of unarmed mostly children and they clearly have no idea how to ta- how to how to uh, tactically handle a weapon and what that just shows me is that one person one one man with a gun in that school who was there solely to protect the kids and the staff would could have easily neutralized that threat in a matter of minutes bef- probably before the police had ever gotten there because this person clearly did not know how to handle a weapon yet they don't want to do that because guns are scary i guess and can i just talk about for a second the absolute bravery and heroism displayed by the national metro police uh we've we've now the public has now been uh made available the body cam footage from both the officers who fired on the shooter and uh ended up killing the shooter at the scene and while it's terrifying and it and and makes it made me like kind of like felt like an, an adrenaline rush almost because of how 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 tense the entire situation was those men ha- handled it with class and with the utmost professionalism and hats off to them they did a fantastic job but to get back to my point it just it just seems like there is such a lack of common sense and and that's that's actually funny because common sense is one of their buzzwords because the the left likes to talk about common sense gun laws like it's common sense to ban the AR15 because of the 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 carnage and the and the amount of people that that you can kill with an AR15 I I don't think that most of the people who say this have ever actually held or fired a a weapon in their life uh I mean, it is obviously true that the if we take an AR-15, a, a weapon that is generally chambered in either a two-two-three or a five-five-six round, uh, if you compare that to uh, most handgun rounds like the forty-five or the nine-millimeter or the three-eighty, it's obviously a much uh, a much bigger round in terms of powder. There's a lot more gunpowder behind that round. The, the bullets are actually thinner, but it travels obviously a lot faster. And uh, there, there's. I think I think it's it is fair to say that there is a, a, an elevated level of lethality to some of these rifles, but if we're, if you're talking about purely the amount of people that are are in harm's way, a pistol versus a rifle oftentimes is not going to make the biggest difference in the world, especially when you're in an enclosed area. Pistols are, are, are generally easier to maneuver around corners and walls and rooms, and rifles are, tend to be clunkier and harder to maneuver. And especially when you have a person like this shooter who has literally no training whatsoever, it's basically a toss-up because they're not going to know how to handle either weapon. Um, and actually, a pistol is probably easier for a complete novice to pick up and just and just use. So I've never understood that specifically they call for the AR15s. I guess they need the, it's kind of like the a gun version of a scapegoat I suppose. They need one specific gun to point at and say this is the devil and all that. Um but 
I really felt the need to talk about this because it's, it's plastered everywhere on social media right now. And and what what this does, it's kind of a it's kind of a dirty scheme that these people are pulling. And I don't want to say that everybody is is a part of this uh, this kind of insidious uh, goal. The, the the goal I'm I'm speaking of being to disarm the American populace generally, um, but so so I want to say some people are certainly participating in the the bidding of others unwittingly because everybody rightfully should be viscerally appalled and and just shaken to their core when they hear about a story like this or they see footage. It should absolutely terrify and make upset every single person who's watching. What they do by then, you know, I, I saw like a, a a picture of a kid, two kids holding like like a, a, an AR-15 and saying like these these won't be banned in schools or something like that. Like really like visceral images, like something like a three-year-old holding a weapon and saying like they won't actually ban these for your kid's safety. That's not really... That's not really helping the situation, and it's it's kind of just a fear mongering tactic, and that is basically the only strategy that that people on the left have in response to things like this, where conservatives are oftentimes criticized for their response. However, their response is the exact opposite, which is, uh, first and foremost, always just telling the telling the people who are experiencing loss at this completely unthinkable time after this event that we grieve with you and that we are deeply sorry and we mourn your loss with you but every time that a politician or someone who of influence says that that they're that they're praying for them and that they're mourning with them and that they have they're they're in their thoughts the the message now is always like fuck your thoughts and prayers and your your prayers can go straight to hell i i understand in a way if you're not a particularly religious person and you really want something to be done that you want more, right? But why would you not want the populace, the population to to mourn and grieve for the the people who are experiencing the loss of their loved ones? Why would you why would you want to send those thoughts and prayers to hell? That seems kind of evil actually. And in addition, there's always criticism that conservative politicians don't want to do anything that there's no action taken taken after mass shootings such as this. But I think that because banning guns is such an immediate call to make, like we need to ban guns absolutely tomorrow. This is the action we have to we have to take in the wake of this mass shooting. It's super easy then to look at a conservative and say, "Well, you don't have any sort of plan like that. There's nothing you can do." And I that's why fuck your thoughts and prayers and you're not trying to solve this problem at all but that's not the case the, the 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 case is just that conservatives generally want to fix the bigger issues the ones that are truly causing these events and that's something that in in the majority of cases cannot be fixed tomorrow by a, a piece of paper being signed right like i said our approach to mental health needs to change we need to stop giving we need to stop heavily medicating and drugging our population our approach to the importance and the priority of spiritual institutions in this country needs to 
at least rebuild, but hopefully return to the levels it was half a century ago or more. And our educational institutions also need to be gutted, basically, and and started from the ground up because many of the educators we have in this country are are teaching an ideology that is certainly not helping in this in this in, in our culture in our in our broad culture and those are the big issues but and I even to go even further I would say that there are things that conservatives want that are direct action items things like background checks I I don't really know many conservatives who are not for background checks when you buy a firearm from a federal firearms dealer. I I don't know a single person who thinks that someone who is a felon or someone who is uh, deeply mentally ill or disturbed should own a firearm. That is just not an opinion that I know to for anyone to have. So improving methods like that I think are useful. There always does come into question the true motive behind some of the measures that may look like they might help. Like there was a, a recent, um, there were recently in the major credit card companies in the United States, there was a merchant category code, which is a piece of data that classifies what type of store, what type of merchant uh, the transaction came from. And there was a new one introduced to classify files that would have given and then a bill proposed on top of that that would have given the government direct access to those transactions and therefore essentially giving the federal government a gun registry without actually having to pass a law to do it now things like that look on the surface like they might be helping but what that of course really is doing is infringing on the rights of the people per the second amendment and something that we generally want to avoid. So there, there are the the uh, the nuances and the details of every individual case. But all of this is to say that conservatives do have action items to solve this type of problem, and especially when it comes to the broader solution to terrible tragedies like this. I think that we have to return to common sense i'll say it again i think we have we have deeply strayed away from a sensible culture and i think that social media i feel like i talk about social media every episode i make but i feel like social media and and has has really taken center stage in why this is such a problem because there's there's so many opinions, which is in many ways is very good, right? We want a diversification of information sources uh, because, let's face it, like there there never were like unbiased news sources in the United States, but it was kind of not great that for decades, you know, you really only had like two or three options. You could watch Walter Cronkite or some other news host, but there were like three. Right, you watch your nightly news, you read your local newspaper, you read some of the big newspapers. You got like three or four options, and that's it. And whatever they say is the only information you're going to hear. 
that wasn't great. But what it did was not have, it did not necessitate this, this vast ocean of shit, basically. There's a lot of bad information out there. A lot of people pushing narratives that are uh, sometimes expressly violent or at the very at the very minimum, they heat up the temperature of the culture and of the conversation to a point that it could become dangerous. And I think that is something that we we got to figure out. Now, I'm not saying I know the solution to that at all, but we need to return to common sense. And I want to just start the common sense conversation by pointing out that banning guns or banning assault rifles or banning the Air 15 or however one you say it, however you want to say it, is not going to fix tomorrow this really deeply evil trend that we see in this country with these mass shootings. Really deeply evil. It's clearly not the guns because those haven't changed. That's what I'll leave you with today. Thank you for listening. My name is Vaughn Hilp. This is Where Liberty Dwells podcast.